Hello and welcome to Zero, a Soccer Rangers podcast, where we focus on conventions, cosplay, and nerdum in general. Who are we? Well, I'm Tyler. I'm the Black Ranger. I'm Robert. I'm the Red Ranger. And I'm Cole. I'm the Green Ranger. Welcome back to the Void. Yeah, and here we are, uh, three of us, uh, keeping busy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Doing doing our chores. We got uh, we got Rob over there doing some laundry, folding some clothes. I'm over here ironing and. Cole's, uh, I'm doing a few dishes. Cole's doing dishes, and look at that. We're, we're keeping this place tidy. Because uh, even though it's a void, it's still home. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because we still haven't found a way out after 63 episodes. Oh, dear God. Has it really been that many? Yep. <laughs> that means, that means like, 63 weeks. Yeah, it's, uh... It's, uh devastating uh we've lost all sense of time and place and sanity humanity it's uh it's dark and dreary and uh slowly going insane i'm surprised one of us hasn't tried to kill the other one multiple times i've been trying i've been more i've been always looking forward to people dropping through that big kind of wormhole it's always nice to have visitors. And why have we attempted to get out that wormhole? Our ladder doesn't ever work. Our ladder doesn't Robert work. Robert tried to make a ladder. <laughs> the last time Robert tried to make a ladder, he tried using the remains of the church from last year. And um, he didn't really have any glue. Well, he had, uh, he had uh, what, the uh, chewing gum, gum and spit. And spit and, well, then. It's a shame. Uh, we'll keep them posted uh, until next time. But um, you want to? Tr- I, I we've debated if we should try the uh, message in a bottle technique. We don't have a notion. You know, we'll just throw it into the void. We'll just we'll do that. Uh, you work on writing something down, and you put it in a bottle, and you just whip that as far as you can into the void. Sounds like a plan. It's the only one we got. It's not a good plan, yeah. but it's the only one we got. Make sure it's thoughtfully worded, okay? We don't want people thinking that we're going and pranking them or, you know, just being assholes going and asking for help and handouts. So we're, we're not those people. Well technically, well, technically, we're all assholes so, to begin with. But. I saw a movie last night. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Happy Death Day. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that one. For, forgot mm-hmm. about it? Okay, who am I kidding? It's been on. Uh, that's pretty much the only freaking uh, trailer I've seen on television for the past two weeks. Or is it? Okay. Well, you have television. That's right. I don't have television anymore. So I I went and watched it, and it was uh, I was entertained. I was huh. uh, you go into it thinking it's gonna be like a scary like it's it's like a, it's a slasher thick. It's by Bloomhouse, so it's mm-hmm. you think it's gonna be one of those psychologically scary movies, but I was very entertained. It was. It was rather funny. It was uh, from what I've from what I've heard. It's more like a mystery kind of kind thing. of like it's still it's still technically a slasher flick because it has a character in that that is the slasher as all slasher flicks have. But it was. Uh, did anyone ever watch Cabin in the Woods? Yes, yes, I did. It's that kind of uh, meta take. Was Cabin on it. in the Woods the like the comedy one? Or? Well, it's still a horror movie. It's like. Yeah, it's a horror. It's a horror it, comedy. It has though. a, I mean, you can't even, call, I don't, know, you can't even call it a comedy. It just, it takes a meta tone on it, and so it like 
the concept of horror movies are very meta in it. And so same thing with Happy Death Day is it's got a killer, but it's it's a slasher flick slash mixed with Groundhog Day where every time she dies, she goes back to the start of her day. And inevitably, she always dies at the end of her uh, end of the day, and she's just trying to find her killer, find out who it is. So it is sort of a mystery in that sense, so that she's trying to find out the person who kills her. Uh, but it gets really, like, there's some really funny scenes in it. And so it's like, yeah, it does have, like, the jump scares where, like, she's alone in a dark area, and, like, you know you know this creep, the uh, killer is going to pop out of a corner, like, she's going to turn around, and he's going to be there in a reflection somewhere. But, like, you sort of expect it because you've seen these movies so many times, so they're not really super jump scary because it's just like, oh, he's probably going to be... You're, just, you're expecting it to happen, so when it does happen, you're like, ah, but, like, it was predictable. And then there's, yeah, there's, like, some really, really funny scenes in it. So I would highly suggest going to see that movie. Speaking of um, predictability, I'm not asking for any, like, hints or anything, but... Is the who the killer is? Was it obvious from near the beginning? No, no, it wasn't. It would because that seems to be an issue that a lot of people are like, "Oh, the killer is obviously this person." No, it 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 had the good it had the good twist of when you found out who the killer was. Uh, so yeah, no, it had good twist good twists in it. So yeah, you you don't figure you don't figure out who the killer is. Uh, Did you get this one with the press pass, Robert? Uh, I got the invite. I decided not to go just because I was a little bit busy yesterday, and I'm highly regretting it now. But uh, you know what? I got to be that guy. I got to ask the hard question. I got to ask for the spoiler. Was it Colonel Mustard in the study with a candlestick? No, it wasn't. No, it was with a knife, obviously. Oh, my God! It wasn't even with a knife. (laughs) There's the twist right there. There's my spoiler. It wasn't even the knife. It was... uh... Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> or technically, she dies. Oh, wait, 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 wait. she dies wait. multiple times, so it was like by multiple things. So it's like, yeah, it's not a, uh, it's not the one thing. It's a plethora of different devices every time. But uh, but at least because I can, I know this from the trailer that the knife was at least one of them. The knife was at least one of them, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It's not as. Uh, well, she gets killed by a bong at one point, so, like... Whoa! Wait, what? <laughs> killed by a bong? That's it. I'm leaving the podcast to go and see this movie. Bye, guys. Yeah, so... DJ would be would be horrified. Yeah, they're glass. So, um, yeah. yeah. Good movie. I liked it. I was kind of apprehensive. Like, I guess I went into it being, being very appre- apprehensive about it, because I was like, uh, not... Don't like going to see scary movies in theaters. Uh... Like there's the because they're just there's some really weird creepy ones like you have like the insidious ones where it just gets weird or you get like the paranormal words the jump scares are just it makes you unsettled with everything because it's just supposed to be a whole lot of unsettling pictures and images and then that's what the creepiness is where this one wasn't didn't have unsettling it had, it was it was just entertaining and funny and like uh, like if you watched. I can relate it to Cabin in the Woods a whole lot of, like, the same kind of comedy versus horror movie. Um, but at the same time, though, would you say that, like, um, oh, geez, how did I put this before? Oh, shoot, I lost my train of thought. That's a hard thing to lose. Trains are very big, you know. 
Yes, no, okay, fine. Jeez. They, they also tend to be pretty damn hard to stop, but, you know, yeah. that's a, another thing altogether. Yeah, but he didn't stop. If anybody could do it. it, yeah, if anybody could do it, it's Cole. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, that's that's what I do. That's my, that's my movie my movie review of going to watch a, uh, a movie. Oh, yeah, now I, got, now I remember where I was. <laughs> Um, but the other thing about going to see like a horror style movie in a theater is the people you're watching it with. Because mm. there's some mm-hmm. people that yeah. like that overreact. There's the ones that so don't, don't react. Like and wait, like, they laugh. Don't go to a movie with you. Uh, yeah, exactly. I well, I don't ever go to a horror film with me because I never will go to a horror film with you ever because I don't like horror films. Yeah. You just you overreact to every movie though. It's just it's uh Nah, I've gotten better about that. Uh, sure. Last one I went to with you was Power Rangers and god damn it, it was the, the whole thing was quiet. The whole theater was quiet and then you hear Cole go, "Oh, and I, I can't remember what scene was that? That was the uh shit. There was a scene and you At least it was one scene. It was one scene. <laughs> I know. Nathan, you have to admit it's it's you have to admit it's been it was better than it used to be. Maybe I don't know. I didn't sit next to you. Nathan sat next to you, but that's the whole thing. Is like I heard you over to a seat over. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll not we'll not discuss that. But yes, um, so yeah, movies. Go see them. Good stuff. Yeah, I was kind of apprehensive about it because I was like, uh, it looks like a weird, scary movie, and I don't know if I'm in the mood for that. But no, it's it pretty funny. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, yeah. That's my talk. This is my other talk. That's another thing. Yeah, yeah. Other movies are coming out soon, but, like, they're not for a while, like Thor Ragnarok or the uh, uh, Star Wars. Oh, did you buy your tickets for Star Wars yet? <laughs> yeah. Star Wars? I, I don't know what Star Wars Star is. Wars? Uh, yeah, like as as soon as uh, as soon as like the uh, Super Bowl, was it Super Bowl? Whatever the football football yeah. uh, trailer went out, it's like after the last two years, we know that like when that trailer goes out, tickets sell immediately after that trailer goes out. So we're like, okay, it's gonna be at like seven o'clock or something. So everyone get ready to book their seats back then. And like seats went quick, but we were we were on the ball and we got. Uh, all seats near each other, like in a row. So, I personally have not seen the trailer yet. I don't know if I'm going to bother, but it's not going to in bother. My, it's That's a very interesting way of putting it. But I've what from what I've heard from some people that are kind of like indifferent, <clears throat> for and and those that are fans of the original trilogy, like the which are net which is New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and of course the the Jedi Returns. Is that essentially like with the first one that they this the what was it a Force Awakens? Is that essentially they just redid a New Hope, and now this one is essentially they, just a remake. And yeah, the, they and they they're sort of or it's, it's a remake of uh, of Empire Strikes Back from the way that the trailer looks. But is that not a proper way to do a trilogy? Like. Not if you're just literally if you're if you're if you're doing in the progression of it like if like four I'll go this in the uh, well you're you're saying this but like the way this is a four five and six we'll say 
And like, there's what's the point in doing another trilogy with just it's just doing four or five and six again with these with just different faces? Well, it's more than different faces. It's more like a reimagining. It's like it's got similar constructs, but that's sort of how you tell stories. It's the similar construct and how you tell a story where episode one is all about people coming together and then hope rising, and then you got to have the the down so. You've got to have the contrast to that. So episode two is always like the uh, um, bad guy is getting a leg over and everything becomes completely dismal and all the hope kind of disappears. And then that's when you have episode three where you can hit that climax because everything looks bleak. And then when you do triumph over all that, it's more so. So you have episode one is always, yeah, it's like it builds, it builds, it gets you invested in characters. Episode two is going to be uh, you then get the bad guys and you understand how powerful they truly are by pushing them down. So the episode two is always a uh, always a losing story. Like you always kind of lose things in episode two. You never it's never a happy story as episode two. And then episode three is when you everyone comes back and then like that's when you get the real triumph over evil as you build the you build the underdog story because that's what people love are underdog stories. Um Give me an example that isn't Star Wars. Uh, everything involving the hero's journey. Pretty much every. Yeah, hero's I mean Taylor. that's it's 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 a very formulaic system on there. But remember, when the original series was pitched by Lucas, he pitched it as an epic space opera, like and it. virtually yes, and they also and they also pitched it as nine films. It was not pitched as nine no, films. I'm sorry. That is original. No, it was. It was one. Originally, it was. No, it was not. No, it was not. Lucas changed the pitch after the success of the first film from the toys. originally. Yeah, it was originally supposed to be. It was, it was supposed to end really badly, like very a downer. But then the toys started selling, and they're like, "Oh, I guess we got to make this a happy ending now." Yeah, no, there there was okay, a lot the of reason, things, Yeah, there's a lot of things okay, that changed. Reason, it used to be called or I should say the third film was originally going to be called Revenge of the Jedi. I mean, it was definitely going to be a much darker ending the whole thing. But yeah, okay. toy sales were absolutely fantastic on there, and it wasn't even pitched as a trilogy. Originally it was pitched as like a 6-hour epic. They changed it into a series of films on there because that was the only way that Fox would even consider putting out the money for it. So they went and gave him money to go and do the first film, which was falling dramatically behind. Even the stuff with him going and having the exclusive licensing uh, uh, rights to the whole thing literally came from the fact that the guys who were going and uh, putting out the money for the film had no confidence in this working at all. In fact, John Williams, who did the scores for the film, was brought in against Lucas's interests just because they needed something that they thought was going to have some marketability later on. At least they knew that he could throw together an epic score. Okay. Because the reason why I brought it up that, that it was originally done as I thought it was nine was that I was listening to an interview with Kevin Smith actually not too long ago, and they were talking about... Um, kind of like origin stories at that point and how that and how the star wars trilogy was one of the things that really brought him a love for movies and that was one of the things is that um that that it was originally done as nine films but then like after the second one i mean uh, after the first one did well and then just as the 
before the third one came out, they decided to cancel that and change it down just to leave it at three. That's what I had thought, but maybe I'm incorrect on that. Hmm. I'd have to go listen to the podcast to see what he said, but um, yeah, um, they, they this, the movies. It was were, it wouldn't be on their podcast. It was an interview between Adam Savage and Kevin Smith oh. for uh, Sci-Fi. Okay. Well, if you can find it, post it, and I'll watch it, and we can have some redactions if redactions are needed. Um, but yeah, no, the movie was like sort of just. It wasn't supposed to be as much as like you, you can't predict hits. Like that's some things stick, some things don't. That's it's crazy how whatever does uh like yeah it's like you just have to be lucky you can make a formula and you can try and make uh a movie with that formula and it can do well but you never know when's what's going to be that cultural pop icon and like be the cultural hit that it does and like sometimes movies take 10 to 20 years before all of a sudden they become these cultural phenomenons and like the people who make them never intend them to be that and it just you just you just can't predict that you just can't there is no way to predict that oh you found it okay i'll listen to that later um yeah but uh what was i about to say about i'm trying to think of more underdog stories i know last i it was an underdog story um what is it like bad news bears is an underdog story uh, a lot of disney stuff like that um but yeah, Karate going back to underdog like, story. Yeah, that's um, definitely under. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a very very common uh, story architect. Archetype. Archetype. There we go. Archetype. Yeah, because it's it always sells. It like people people love underdog stories. They like it when it's uh, a bunch of kids get together and oh, what's another one? Um, God, what is the name of that movie? I'm forgetting it. Fat Camp. Um, what's the Fat Camp movie? It was a great movie. Heavyweights. Heavyweights. Ah, oh, that was a great movie. Uh, yes. <laughs> was that the Ben Stiller one? Yes. Yes, he was. Yes, in it that. was. Yeah, he was in that. I love that film. That's, oh that's my another God. underdog story. Like it's yeah. it's a common a common theme. Uh, yeah, I will say I think in Hollywood it became more popularized. I would say arguably because of Star Wars, because everything was trying to be Star Wars after '79. But oh God, yeah. I could almost you could almost say that. Well, maybe, maybe like the eighties. I don't know if yeah, it's I mean, Star Wars that caused that to happen. Well, no, no. Here, here's the thing. It's like that became such a popular way of storytelling in the movies because of that film. It's not to say that never existed. I mean, if we want to go back to it, that's actually uh, a type of Greek play. Is really what that started off as, and I can't remember what the actual name of that type is. But you know, here we call it the underdog story. It's another extension of the hero's journey. It's just another one of the four variations on that. I've been watching a lot of videos about, uh, really about Star Wars in general, because this is kind of exciting. You know, The Force Awakens, I would argue, had to be the movie that it was, where it was just a remake of A New Hope. Yeah, they went took. Call, I can't even call it a remake. I, like, well, it's it's not a remake. People, no, it's just. People are it's, saying it's that. A re, well, it, I would say, arguably, it is a rehash. There's a lot of elements from it that are taken directly but that's not an insult i think in a lot of respects they had to do something like that because they needed to establish that this was the old star wars coming back that it needed to be about good storytelling that it needed to be about good characters 
they had lost that. Episodes 1, 2, and 3 had foregone everything that made the original great in lieu of special effects and George Lucas's ego. I will not go and give those movies any credit beyond what they actually deserve. That's what those films all came off as. Disney getting a hold of it, it's a big license to own, but it was a license that was, in many respects, on life support. There was not the same kind of continuity there was beforehand, and despite a couple of good video games and the arguable success of Clone Wars, that's the only thing you really had going for it, especially in films. Because, remember, the Clone Wars movie came out in theaters, and it was the worst-performing film that Lucasfilms had ever put out until Red Tails came out. Then they sold Star Wars to make back the losses. Remember that! I don't think I even watched Okay, Red going Tales. back going back to what you were talking about with the underdog story and how the trilogy and how they have loss and everything like that. Yeah. I'm, I the, my favorite com- the best comparison that I could think of right off the bat would be Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Yes, almost definitely. That's a, yeah, that's that's one of the. But ones the thing is, say, but yeah. the thing with that though is that there's loss in every single one of those films. Well, it's still it's, it's the hero's journey. Yeah, it's still an underdog. So it's not like it's not following it beat for beat. Like if you want to follow beat for beat, yeah, you can do that. But you can also write it properly, where it's it's a group of heroes in that, and then. They, in the first movie, it's, it's all triumph of them going on a journey, and then they all fall apart at the end of two, and then they go their separate ways. Uh, in the second one, they fell apart in one. Yeah, no, they go. They fall apart in one, and that sets up two, and then they're <coughs> all fighting against the Orakai in the second one, and but then there's also a triumph in that. Like, it's it's there's multiple t- tales going on in in Lord of the Rings, but it is sort of a. Uh, ups and almost every almost <coughs> is a its own like underdog sort of heroes and heroes and losing because Helm's Deep is in the second one where like it all becomes super bleak and then heroes come in and survive and they win again and then in the third one it all you starts off good goes down uh, where like the bad guys then start encroaching on a place and everything looks horrible and then it picks up again in triumph so it's like Every single one of those movies is its own hero's tale uh, because each one was its own book that was written that way. So instead of him writing a three-part book, he wrote three books that are ups and downs during all of them. So it's like thinking of a trilogy crunched down into the one book that he wrote three times, including a whole journey. Okay, okay. Where, like The Hobbit, which was one book cut into uh, oh how many movies is that three movies four the hobbit no the the hobbit was uh three movies yeah one book yeah no because there's one book i i thought i thought it was four for some stupid reason i don't know i don't know why it'd be four um that one is yeah, i was also here journey it's like there's ups and downs because there's the whole it's like asking why they split the last uh the last harry potter film into two yeah, and that's another yep. see Harry Potter. That's another underdog story because he's a like a, a nobody person, and people make fun of him. He like living under a closet, and all of a sudden, he's he's greatness. He's the he's the chosen one. He never found out about it. That's that's another thing about the underdog stories is it's never it's never the person is not a 
not uh, built up from nothing. They don't train. It's just like all of a sudden, like that. They they were just all thrust upon. Yeah, them. they're they're the sp- they're the chosen one the entire time, and but they're like the meek uh, nobody. And then all of a sudden, oh, you're you're super powerful. You're you're the chosen one. You're in all the prophecies. And you go, oh, okay, like uh, King Arthur. That's that's another one that's like that. Where he was just a stable boy, and then all of a sudden he pulls a sword from the stone. And he's the great king, and that's a that's a common motif in all those. Is that its greatness is thrust upon? Random them. question. Random question. I want I want your. I just thought about this because I'd heard something very recently about this. When the sword, when the sword that was King Arthur pulled out of the stone, that wasn't Excalibur, correct? That was Excalibur. No. Um, well, because in the stories, no, actually, he in doesn't. He gets Excalibur from the Lady in the Lake. Lady of the Lake, yeah. Lady of the Lake, yeah. yeah. There might be more than one. Story. Yeah, he gets it from the Lady in the Lake. Yeah, and because the, and then the sword in the stone was just kind of put there by. Uh, I think it was the. I that might also say who that, put that it might there. Also, be Excalibur. It's a fictional story, so there could be more than one. Well, yeah, I, yeah. Like, there's different versions that I've heard. I'm like, okay, the I've, the older version I hear is that the the original sword was wasn't was just a sword that Merlin had put in the stone or something along those lines. Mm. And then King Arthur pulled the sword from the stone, and became the king of England. Blah 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 blah. Um, then he br- it broke in a battle. I can't remember against who. And then he received the next sword. Which was Excalibur from the Lady in the Lake. Um, shit, what is this? Uh, there, this might actually be the other sword, because there's another sword, um, that's like it, but it's, um, god, what's, what's his name? Starts with an M, and he's like the, uh, protagonist. Uh, the son? The antagonist uh, to, that, to, Yeah, Mor- Morgana's son, what yeah, was it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Morgana, I think it's just Morgana. I think that's just his, and he has the other sword. Morgana, Morgana is a girl. First off, Morgana, Mor, yeah. Morgana Le Fay uh, is because uh, he has the, one the sword is uh, Calibrum, Calibris, Calibor, Calibris. Yes, and that was the sword. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Calibor, Calibor. That makes sense. Yeah, I think it's one of those, and then that's also Excalibur. Uh, so yeah, it's like there's, there's, it's, it's an old story that's been translated weird, and I think it has both Excalibur and Calibris. Mordred, Mordred, Mordred. There we go. Yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff. So it's like uh, whoever wants to tell it. So it's like Excalibur, the Sword in the Stone, or there's the. I think some some of them either they're all the same sword or they're different swords, and I don't know. It's it's rather complicated. I know all the, this. This stuff comes up in Fate's Day, uh, uh, Fate's Day Apotheca. So if you want to watch some anime. You, you get to learn about uh, Excalibur and such, and King Arthur. Uh, I'm King a, Arthur a fan Pendragon. of the original, yeah, King Arthur Pendragon. Yep, son of Uther. In the anime, it's a girl. Hmm. But um, an interesting one that's kind of cool that I remember hearing. Um, I'm sorry, not hearing, but one of the, my favorite. Uh, versions of that story uh, of course is the original Excalibur film I think you guys have probably seen that one correct uh, I'm actually not sure I know I don't I don't think I, I've seen I've, that one I, I've, I've heard it's like there have been so many different 
I think that's the black and white one. I think that's the old black and white. Nineteen eighty one. Oh shit! No, then I don't. I don't think I have. By John Boorman. I still didn't have. That was the director for it. I actually don't think I've seen that one either, which is kind of surprising. Was for it me. was it called Excalibur? Or was it called King Arthur? It was called Excalibur. Oh, shit. Uh, shit, I may have. Because the story starts actually with uh, Uthar, which was his father, and it's got th- it's a lot darker. Okay, because I remember there was like uh, King Arthur the movie in like maybe there was the eighties or nineties. There was that one, um, but then they now have the new King Arthur movie that just came out, uh, which I hear didn't do very well. Yeah, that Guy Ritchie one. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That that did not perform well in the box office, and I got to be honest, it's just eh. Like they did a good job with some of the character stuff, but the movie as a whole is just what. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that's just it. It's like you could definitely tell that uh, he's trying to go and cash in on some of his more recent notoriety. You know, he's no longer Madonna's ex-husband. He's the guy that directed the Sherlock Holmes movies. So, I don't know. It, it Was just there, felt like, like slow motion in the movie then? Uh, there were a few moments. Okay. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Yeah, definitely have not seen Excalibur, but yeah, no, it's um, it's not a bad movie. It's just... You expect more out of these people. It's I see. I can understand that. That's a shame. Yeah, just, eh. yeah. But of course, everybody's favorite version of King Arthur would have to be uh, be Monty Python. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll search for the Holy Grail. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> it's probably the worst version of the story, but it's definitely the best movie that's ever been made. Well... Now, are we talking? We're talking the movie, or should we talk about the Broadway uh, Spamalot? Because Spamalot, oh, Spamalot is actually. Oh, dude, don't get me started on that. <laughs> that one gets pretty accurate because it does talk about uh, him getting the sword from the Lady in the Lake. Uh, that's the kind of version they yeah. go with. So, uh... yeah, Excalibur goes through the whole story of Excalibur, the original blade, the his son Mordred, and his um, half sister. Um, or Arthur's half sister, which caused all this, blah 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 blah. Um, it's it they go it goes through the entirety of the story. Huh? How long is it? Uh, I think, it, but just over two hours, I think. Oh, that's that's rather long, actually. Again, I guess it's a movie from the uh, two hours twenty minutes. It was it was the nineties when movies became only like. 90 minutes. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has an 80%. Okay. Oh. Oh. Roger Ebert had 2.5 out of 4. And IMDb is 7.4 out of 10. Weirdly enough, I go and put more stock into the uh, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes scores than I do Roger Ebert back in that period of yeah. time. So Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, when no, I, I, I watched yeah, the. Uh, yeah. I guess that's Makes a movie you yeah. put on a list right there. Um,. One of those top hundred. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Movies. Helen Mirren was in this. Oh, wait a minute! No, I have seen this one. Oh, a snap! It all comes back. Yep. Nope. I see Helen Mirren, and then suddenly, wait! No, I have seen this. In fact, I saw this in school. Really? It's funny because there's boobs about ten minutes into the beginning of the front of the film. Yep, I remember that. 
Actually, there's a rape scene five minutes into it. Why do you remember this? Are you just yeah? That's this? a really, really specific thing to go and pull out of your ass there. <laughs> that's because that's actually proper history for it. Actually, well, that's not how I'm you not... defend yourself. Yeah, no, that's. Um... <laughs> I remember all the rape in proper history. It's not creepy. Uh, no, stop history. it. Oh boy, let's stop okay. this before somebody compares Cole to Harvey Weinstein. We've that's already no, got enough. That's like we no, got no, enough. No, no, no. The reason, the, the reason I, the reason. Hold on, Cole, like, just, just stop, just stop, please, don't, don't take What I was gonna, say, I, I'm gonna say one last thing. The reason why I remember it is because I also had to watch this in school, and I'm like, why are they making us watch this version of this film in school? Why couldn't you be watching it at home in your private times? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I'm just saying, it's one of those things just like you don't bring up because it's like knowing the age of consent in every country, you just like, you don't want to know that. Like, sure, it's a fact, but it's the fact you don't spring out there. So, yeah. Boobs is okay. You can say boobs. But... No. no, no, we got to use the uh, the technical term breasticles. Okay? Breasticles. Yeah. Breasticles. Breasticles. That, I just felt that like, is the scientific yeah. term for that. Uh, also yeah. appropriate for a radio. <laughs> I also just found it extremely weird, considering like, like how school is, like how like how they are with like film, different films, and I found it was weird that that was being shown in school. Well, what class? This is probably like social studies, wasn't it? I think so. Right, this would just be a, re- a relation to uh, medieval times, because I remember watching a lot of movies when we covered medieval times because there was a lot of movies covering medieval times and what it was like so it was very easy to to like go okay here's a movie this is what it's like in it like we watched we watched monty python and in uh for yeah we did because that was talking that that was specifically done in for a satirical comedy but the satirical comedies pointed out what life was like in medieval times in a very grandiose way, so that it was like it pointed on it and making fun yeah, of it. But yeah. then bring exactly. out your dead. Yeah, and it's just bring like, out your dead. It makes fun of it. Help! Help! I'm being repressed. Yeah, and it's like these are all very solid points of saying this is what it was like because people were repressed. People were constantly dying. They have the witch scene of like women just being accused of being witches, and it's like, well, it makes a comical sense of it, but it's very good to teach. And the fact they comedy. just literally just took a long nose on her. <laughs> yeah. She turned me into a newt. A newt? I got better. <laughs> so, yeah. Comedy is a good way to teach, because it makes things relatable, where you go, ha ha ha. Yeah, it is like that. It's funny, because it's true. So, yeah, that's that. The, the monks that hurt themselves. <laughs> what did I, I also just recently watched Casablanca again. Mm. Like, now there's a film. Yeah, I like. It's well written. It's a well written film, because it's got a lot of quips in it, and just like all the words. Because like, that's all you could do back then is like you write well, and then the scenes just have to be the characters acting. So all their quips and things they say to other are all witty, compa- uh, witty, witty, uh, witty banter. There we go. That's the word I'll use. Witty banter towards each other. And, yeah. Gambling? In this casino? Th- I'm shocked! Shocked, I say! I'm shocked that there's cam- gambling. I thought you were gonna... You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you, thank you. 
When you said Woody, I for a second for the immediately the first thing I went to was Woody the Woodpecker. Okay. What? No one said Woody. Yeah. No, yeah, you did. I did? Huh? You did. Who did? Witty. 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 Wit Wow, my brain is okay, hold on. Witty banter. Witty banter. Not Woody banter. <laughs> I'm Woody Banner sounds like some kind of uh, blues country singer. <laughs> Ow. Well, next on the stage is Woody Banter. Here's Woody, Woody Banter. Let's catch you in the boom, 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 boom. Oh, I see it now. Woody you Banter. were slurring it a little bit, so the uh, your witty sounded like Woody for me for some reason. I I don't think he was slurring at all, Cole. Hey, I think you need to adjust your uh, banter, your headphones. Okay, okay, no, I don't think it's the headphones. It's the fact that I had a head cold all day. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go with that. Why not? So, yeah, like there's a there's a lot of good movies like that. Mm-hmm. What are, what about going kind of going back into what we were talking about, like? other like mystical tales what other ones do you guys kind of enjoy because like king arthur of course that one's a good one mm, that one's been done a couple tales. times mm. like like that has been done multiple times like of course there's like of course king arthur is an old old tale that's been told many many times in many different films yeah yeah i don't know what, what are you trying to get at like there's tons of mystical tales what are there any that you can think of that you enjoyed most of them yeah there's been very few that I haven't enjoyed. Like, we can talk about the Dungeons & Dragons movie. You want to talk about that? Oh. If you want to. Did you ever watch it? I don't think I have. Oh, did you ever watch it? Rob, are you there? Push the talk, boy. T- push the talk. He's dead. He's dead, Jim. Someone throw a, someone throw a rock at him. Or did did the fact that I talked sorry about, sorry <laughs> I talked about Dungeons and Dragons? I see that rock worked. The rock worked. <laughs> Rob, Dungeons and Dragons movie, go. Oh, oh God! <laughs> there it is. That, that's There's the reaction. <laughs> oh my God! Just oh that movie. Do you know? Just to clarify, we're talking about the first one, right? Is there a second one? There is a second one. It was direct to DVD. Oh god, no. I'm not talking about the second one. I'm talking about Oh I'm god, the, the first, first one. one. The first Just... one with the guy with the blue lipsticks and and the, oh. uh, Yeah, no. Uh, do you know what? It it is it is the most fabulous bad movie I have ever watched. It is a treasure. It is a treasure. It it is that. It is it is one of the worst pieces of schlock I have ever seen. That's the one with uh Jeremy Irons and uh Oh, who was the bad guy in that one? Um, I don't remember his name. But I don't know. I blocked half of the people out you know of my mind when it comes I, to that one. When I watched that when I was young, when it first came out, um, that came out with the nineties. Uh, it was like ninety nine, two thousand, somewhere around there. Yeah, so I, I watched it when it came out, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that movie because it was like yeah. a whimsical thing. And it it had it had a sad part, like when the uh, when the the last one came out two thousand. Uh, the uh, one of the thieves die. That's also a, a, an underdog story where it's like two thieves who come into a scepter of dragon controlling, and then they have to like get it away from the bad guy to the good guys, and they're just lowly underdog characters 
where they're like you literally just described every film ever but that that's that was part of the problem with the movie and also what made it so great it yeah. is such a generic piece of shit I liked it though, because I liked the fact oh, that they had like no, that's good just dragons, it. they had red dragons and black dragons, and they had two scepters for each, and like they had a control, and there was a big old dragon war at the end of it, and the one guy dies, and I was sad because I was like, oh my god, you grow to love him because he's comical relief, and then they kill the comical relief, and you're like, what? And then they had traps, and then they had the gor- what's that thing? What's the thing with the eye? The guardian, uh, the big guardian eye oh. thing. That was that was a yeah. Thing. That was that was a. That was fan service, fanfare. Yeah, like you don't think about that. I didn't realize that until like, well, I guess no, I didn't think about it because like, they threw that monster in there and was like, well, that's the, that's like the one monster everyone kind of knows from Dungeons and Dragons is the floating guardian eye, and they actually yeah. had that. And other than that, they didn't have really, they didn't have a whole lot of CGI in there, did they? Uh, uh, there was more CGI in there. I think they're probably you're remembering, but like all the know. dragons was all CGI, and they had that monster. But like, and then well, the a magic. lot of the backgrounds were done that way, Did and the there backgrounds? was a lot of green screen work. A lot of the backgrounds were green screen. The really? film weird. Yeah, the film weirdly enough was heralded for a good effective use of uh, computer generated backgrounds. Like a lot of the stuff was hand drawn images, and then being you know superimposed on a green screen. Hmm. I remember you know, this is, a lot of it being like very locationy stuff. It looked like it was shot on a location. Oh, a lot of it was. Yeah, I'm not saying that all of it was. It's just a lot of like the uh, castle scenes with the big bad and all that. A lot of those scenes were generated images. If you go and look at a lot of the stuff that's in the backgrounds, or even some of the uh, large, all-encompassing. Uh, wide angle shots oh. you can go and tell that they're yeah you can go and tell that they're not actual images a lot of them are either hand drawn or procedurally generated for those purposes I, I think yeah so like I feel like parts of them were on a location but then they'd have to add to the backdrop to make it more grandiose yeah because I'm thinking because I remember a lot of them being like there's a lot of forest shots like a lot of them are in forest but then when oh yeah they're in the city at the beginning and then they were at a capital at the end and the capital basically the end of the movie was mostly CGI because it was nothing but dragons fighting in this sky area and that that's just all CGI so I remember that but I remember a lot of it being in like a forest and them traveling and then they find like a outpost so it's like at a kind of tearing down castle and that's all that's all real but then they had like magic and they had dragons and that's that all has to be CGI. And yeah. I don't think the CGI stands up now because it was the 2000s and CGI, any CGI from the 2000s is not going to look good today. No, no, it, no, it really isn't. But no, but that, that movie does kind of hold kind of a weird little footnote in history, <clears throat> despite being extremely forgettable in most other respects. I will never uh, forget that movie. <laughs> no, not at all. I think people like us never will. Do you know what? But the, ge- you should the just, general movie audiences? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. The, the people that actually don't actually, like, uh, think about movies a whole lot don't don't go back to the uh, Dungeons & Dragons movie, but I think uh, guys like us do. But uh, uh, yeah. have you ever, ever listened to the commentary on it? I have never listened to the commentary on it. Okay. Uh, Tell me there's something worth listening to in there. 
It's mostly the director being very apologetic. <laughs> um, and he talks about that there is a lot of stuff that was cut from the movie. So it was a movie that was supposed to have a lot more scenes in it, but it was. It might be one of those ones that was suffered from. I don't. I don't know if I can say it suffered from editing. Like it hit the cutting room floor and uh, took a took a good chunk. Um, like it doesn't feel like it though, because like it's all his words. It does. Yeah, Cause it, it, it feels like a complete film. Yeah, it doesn't feel like... Because there's movies that are... You can tell it's all just editing problems where the way it's spliced together and the way things are connected, it's very hardcore editing problems. But this movie doesn't feel like it's suffering from poor editing. But like then you don't really know how much was shot and how much has been cut out and put in and how the story has changed or altered or maybe there was some scenes that they added that would have made develop the characters better um, yeah well like uh oh god what what was it the uh batman v superman uh ultimate edition mm. uh the director's cut version that came out it makes the movie from a total crap heap into a semi-competent film it doesn't save it but it's like why was why were these 26 minutes cut out this actually gives us a little bit more to be able to grab onto. Yeah, I guess. Like, like, even, I don't know if that... I think that movie... That's not an editing problem, because even that one didn't feel like it was edited poorly. It felt like it was written poorly. Yeah. Well, that's definitely the truth there. The, the only reason why... Uh, the only reason why I use that one as an example is because that's become kind of a popular thing uh, whenever there's criticism of a film now, it's like, blame the studio. They made uh, me cut this out. And this film co- or this company made me cut this out. Look at Van Forstick, for God's sake. That's the one that I want to say had poor editing. Because you watch that movie, I, and you're going, what am, I, what am I watching? It's like, it physically feels like dubs are off, and things just go from one thing to... That one just... That one feels like a mess of editing. Like, it doesn't... It doesn't flow properly the way a movie should flow it just it feels jagged well and you've got the director of that movie going and making a big deal oh 20th century fox maybe cut a whole hour out of the movie they they have taken away what could have been the greatest superhero movie of all time and it's like this is the same director who was almost ejected from the film a year beforehand because he was going and assaulting the actors mm. He was prone for having temper tantrums on the set. And I do wonder a little bit about this because the studio has never said that there actually is all this extra footage that isn't in there. Like everybody points out, well, you got that scene of uh, the thing going and getting airdropped down on that tank in the trailer that's not in the movie. But at the same time, it's like, I'm... I don't know. I'm not sure where that would even fit in with this whole thing, short of it going and being, you know, a little uh, after-credits bit that they could go and slide in there somewhere. It's like, I don't know how, even with an extra hour of film, you'd be able to work in an angle like that. And the studio's never said that the extra hour even exists on there. It's only him going and talking about it. I've never even seen any of the actors that were in the movie going and saying, yeah, there was some stuff that never made it in there or anything like that. It's just... Everybody wants to pretend that that movie never existed on their resume. Oh. So it could be even just a case of the editors doing the best they can with what they got. 
I, I, I really do think that that probably is the case there, and the director's just trying to save face, because he just went and had a $120 million turd, you know, just drop. I don't, like, I don't, I don't truly think anyone was expecting much from that, like, I wasn't expecting much from that movie. It, yeah. It felt like, like, it just another movie they're putting out just to keep the license. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what I that's what I thought it was from the beginning, and that's kind of what I got. And I was like, "That's." I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, for this but, movie. yeah, but at the same time, it's like anytime a studio goes and puts that much money into something, there's clearly an expectation of getting something out of it, oh. and it's just like how how did you guys fail on every single level? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing that always confuses me. But yeah, I've there's been several films in the last couple of years where they're going and blaming the studio for going and cutting too much out before the film even comes out. And then a lot of times it turns out Yeah, we took like 10 minutes out of what the director went and handed us. There's no Lord of the Rings extended edition or anything like that that's going to go and make this even better. It's You know, and I recently watched the extended editions of Lord of the Rings and I'm trying to it's been so long since I saw them in the theaters that I watched them now extended and like I'm not even sure what is actually added and what's taken out it all just feels like a story like it feels the same as it did when I watched it in the theaters it's just four hours long now so yeah no it's it's a by the way that that I I have to say this is that they're behind the behind the scenes uh stuff for the Lord of the Rings films is probably one of the best done um, behind-the-scenes stuff for any film I've ever watched. Yeah, no, I mean, that's... You're looking at the movies that made DVDs really viable for that reason. Yeah, yeah. No, they... Because uh... it was more than just better video quality, because a lot of people are still clutching onto their VHS tapes, but then it's like, there's special features, and most movies only had, like, the trailer in there director's commentaries were not all that common at first and then lord of the rings fellowship of the ring comes out and it's got six hours of extra content they had to go and shove a whole second dvd in there just for all the special features and it's like oh my god yeah there's actually substance here they broke a lot of molds uh lord of the they did Uh, because before that like i said movies were 90 minutes that's it 90 minutes like i knew in the 90s and like early 2000s i could go Okay, I'm going to go to a movie. It starts at 10.30. That means it's going to be done at 11, or no, uh, 12. Math. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I knew on the dot it would be exactly 90 minutes, because that's what all movies then were. Because before that, movies were longer, and then all of a sudden the 90s hit, and people were like, no one wants to sit in a theater for longer than an hour and a half to watch a movie. So if a movie is... Lo- Nobody wants an intermission. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that... If everyone wants to, like, so all movies were solidly this. And then, like, Lord of the Rings was the one that I distinctly remember going, okay, we're going to make this movie. It's going to be, like, two hours. And you're like, two hours? A two-hour movie? Two, two-and-a-half-hour movie? That's insane. And people loved it. And now all movies are, like, two hours to two-and-a-half hours. They're just solidly long movies. Well, you know, they call the 90s in particular, and, you know... I should say late 90s to like 2002. They refer to that as the dark age of cinema. You know, we all go and use these different terms. You know, the golden age of Hollywood from the 1930s and all that that stuff. The dark age of cinema was like from 93 to like 2002. The Hollywood blockbusters 
were always the most groan-worthy movies, because they knew they were going to make a lot of money, people would go to them, but they were always the worst movies of the year, but they were always the most highfalutin, biggest budget, Batman and Robin bullshit things that came out. Or they but had it was something. It was animals. something the critics. Yeah, that's just it. It was something the critics absolutely hated. There was a lot of uh, studios trying to go and emulate the Disney Renaissance success that was going on uh, just in the previous years on there, and leading into you know the later part of the '90s and the early 2000s when you know things fell apart for them, and then they entered the you know second dark age of Disney. But weird thing. But that was oh, also, yeah. but also the '90s is also considered to be. The independent. The independent. Go, like, that was the rise of the independent film. The nineties. Mm-hmm. Because the nine, yeah, the nineties is that because yes. that was the time when, that was the the nineties was the rise of people like, uh, like like Miramax of Miramax films. You're just quoting more and, Kevin uh, Smith stuff. You, that's literally what is that Kevin was one of the was one of the independents that helped to rise up with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. I guess because it's like it, yeah. It was... I'll go and say independent producers in particular. Yeah, I'll go and give that exactly, one exactly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's such a weird time period because to Tyler's point, there were a lot of movies that were still ninety minutes long that were in the nineteen seventies and eighties. I'd still say that was probably the majority of films that came out then. Yeah, but the great movies that people think about, yeah, they were. Uh, two hours, two hours and 20 minutes long. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then you started having these really formulaic films that came out that were just an hour and a half. That's it. Had some that's all you get. Talking animals in it at some point. And, or it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, well, because like I, I just said Casablanca, and that one is a two-hour movie. So yeah. um, I wonder if it comes down to like the old films. Oh, what is it? It's uh, Gone with the Wind, which is also a really big one. That's like, I think only two. Gone hours. with the Wind is like four hours or no, something. No, no, it's like that. it's not that long. It just feels that long. It's uh, it is like also only like a, I think a two-hour movie or something. But it's it's oh no, it's it's three hours it three and fifty-eight hours? minutes. Okay, yeah, it's four Shit, hours. It's, it's almost four hours long. long. Yeah, no, it's, they they like had intermission. They had intermissions in movies like that back then, though. Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that. Yeah, fifteen minute intermission for you to go to the bathroom. You grab the can do stuff. Grab, go grab drink. That type of thing. Yeah, no, that that's really on where. <laughs> fun fun fact here. Uh, Gone with the Wind really popularized the snack stand at the theaters because it used to be something just to go and get the kids, you know, their candy bar or whatever. Films like that that were so compelling and kept people in their seats for such a long period of time. They needed a little bit of refreshment during the middle of the movie. So that's where you saw the popularization of the popcorn and all that stuff. It's like Gone with the Wind changed cinema in that respect. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Fun fun fact there. Your cheap 50-cent popcorn, which, you know, adjusted for inflation is like $9 now. Wow, it's expensive now. Yes. Oh, God, it is. 87 years ago. I bought popcorn at the theater, and I was like, it was, it was, yeah, like 10 bucks or something like that. And then I go, uh, that's like a popcorn, a drink, and a, your candy, and that's like your combo. And I was like, okay, this is expensive. But I go buy, I can just go buy, like, uh, now they have, like, food food. They have pizzas, they have poutines, and those are significantly cheaper than popcorn and a drink. Like, I go buy a pizza for, like, like, $3. It was like, well, a slice of pizza and a drink, and it's like, 
uh, was that eight eight dollars I think yeah and it's still cheaper than popcorn for some reason I don't know why I just did the math uh, Gone with the Wind came out 87 years ago <laughs> yeah it's an old movie and it still holds up that's Indeed the disturbing part yeah they still uh, they still have like the classics uh, like uh Movie theaters will constantly have events to show the classics. So yeah, like no, there was a fast is one of them, and Casablanca is one of them, and yeah, no, there's a uh, there was a Fathom event for it recently over at my local theater. I saw it. It's only the second time I've seen it. The first time in like twenty years I've seen it. And goddamn it, it still holds up. Casablanca still holds up. Wizard of Oz still holds up. It's like good storytelling is eternal. Yeah, yeah. No, if it's if it's an interesting story, you can sit there and watch it. Doesn't didn't didn't have fancy uh, cinema or cinema. It's still cinema back then. That's fancy cinema because their shots were done. Uh, they had shots. They had processes and shots the way they did things, but they didn't have. Uh, what's word do I want to say? Fluff, fluffy things yeah. like explosions and such and. Yeah, no, there there wasn't all the filler, yeah. Yeah, filler, filler. Like, it's it's cool to see action movies with explosions and such, but it's, uh... But there there's even a limit to that, though. I mean, look, I, I, I hate to go and do this because everybody brings it up, but when the hell did something like a series of explosions and giant robots become the most boring thing you could watch? Like, seriously, the Michael Bay Transformers movies, as much as I enjoyed the first one, it's like I saw the most recent one, and I actually wanted to fall asleep at one point during a big fight scene. It's like, you can go and make an explosion big and interesting, or you can go and do it a whole bunch, and it just becomes boring and desensitizing as time goes along. That's true. That is true. Like, you see an explosion, and it's cool, but then after you've watched an explosion happen how many times in a row, it goes like, well... That's not a, uh, not much to think about, but like, that's a, that's the thing I wanted to point out with movies is a, uh, a movie like that, uh, Transformers. That's probably gonna get good reviews, uh, good reviews from uh, customers, uh, audience, good audience reviews, horrible critical reviews. Uh, Which, yeah, gen- generally I'd agree with that. I mean, this most recent one, no, everybody just hates it. But <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's that's what I find to seem like. That's how that's how I decide to watch movies. I'll see it and I go, okay, you're either going to have the critics love it, the audience hates it, because it's going to be some kind of drama, and it's going to be kind of, it's going to be a slog to sit down and watch, because uh, it's not going to be as engrossing in some senses. Uh, where yeah, and it's normally just touching on some really uh, sensitive issue on something. Uh, or it's going to be based on a true story. It's going to be a slow burn. It's all going to be uh, dialogue and story, but it's not going to be story that's intriguing. It's going to be story that's sometimes just painful for the sake of being painful. Where it's like, this person's yeah. life is horrible. Here's all the way it's horrible. Feel something. You're like, uh, I'm kind of yeah. No, it's it's and then the critics. It's it's hurt. It's the hurt locker syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Like that is that is a film that nobody actually enjoys watching. Met with huge critical raves and success, 
But, uh, yeah, nobody wanted to see the movie in theaters, and the audience reaction to it has been poor from day one. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's not an entertaining movie. It's a, it's just a movie that's going to make you feel, and it goes, here's just pain and hurt, and it's, but, like, that is how movies are supposed, or movie cinema theater is supposed to be. You're supposed to have your dramas and your comedies. There's a, two aspects of movies. So there's all your dramas... Um, and critics always love the dramas, and then the comedies the audiences always love. So you never have them both liking the same kind of movies. So if you do see a movie that is both critically acclaimed and audience acclaimed, that's one you definitely should go see because that means both audiences and critics love it. Um, like Very rarely it happens, but the last one I can think of was actually like the Lego movie. which is Yeah, no, that's phenomenal <laughs> yeah and it's just it's a great movie it's both entertaining but it's also like i don't know it's some nostalgia in there but it's it just it connects with a lot I, of people that that to me is an example uh not of a perfect movie but in everything that a film should be because y- you guys know my stance when it comes to you know a movie should first be entertaining and it should be entertaining to anybody that watches it granted there's some movies that are very clearly for a more defined mature audience but i also think that you know animated films in particular shouldn't be thought of as kids movies they should be just movies it should be entertaining on its own it should be able to stand on its own merit it shouldn't just be something that exists because oh kids will go and sit down and watch this this is something parents can go and put on just to go and entertain their kids for the next two hours so they can have some peace and quiet it's like no, I refuse to accept that. There used to be a craft to this. Yeah, and there's there still is, but there's there is the that that's that gets into the, like the corporate uh, making a movie to make profit or making a movie as an art. So like yeah, uh, that's just it. Like anything from Illumination Entertainment. Nope, not going to be good. They're it's just they're better than most. It's not like there's what was it? Which, who who did the Emoji movie? That was Sony Pictures. Yeah, there's okay. That's the one that's Sony is the one that has the movies that are these are just cash-ins. Like they're just they're making a movie for kind of cheap, and it's going to be cheap, accessible to kids. Kids are going to like watching it. They're they're going to do that, and they will they will make their money back. They don't have to spend billions of dollars, and they don't they're not looking for the next uh, the next Avengers. I guess is what it is now. Um, they're just making for they're making a movie and it's going to be not going to have really big names or anything it's just going to be not even entertaining it's going to entertain kids and that's all it needs to do uh and it's yeah so that one they're going to spend little i say little amount of money on it but even a little amount of money on a movie nowadays is still a lot of yeah, money a little still a couple million yeah. I, well that, that's just it but i mean like 60 million dollars you can make that back just in television airing rights yeah yeah so i mean yeah that's exactly what their model is yeah and it it works like it's it's a it's as a business model that's what it is it's like it's going to go straight for kids uh but then you do have your uh i know people where disney People either really hate Disney because they're a giant big corporation that it still focuses on money, but then also people super love Disney because they still make things that you can kind of consider art. Uh, because yeah, well that's just it. There's still clearly a craft to their process. Yeah, so like Moana 
is the newest one that came or Moana with Zootopia. Um, what yeah. other good ones? Big Hero Six. Those are all movies that just came out, and you can watch them as an adult, watch them as a kid, and they're both entertaining to both, and they both have like a story behind them, and it's still a good story, and then they both have good music behind them. Um, mm-hmm. I guess what Zootopia was was that Pixar or was that Disney? No, no, that's Disney. Everybody's getting them confused I these know. days because Disney's been producing some really good films and Pixar's been producing some crap recently. It's like, well, wait, when did this happen? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Well, because I always considered, well, I guess there's like a weird tertiary now thing because Disney, Disney now has the Disney animated movies. Then they have their princess movies and then Pixar has their animated movies. And like I always considered Disney to have the princess movies and Pixar do the animated. But now Disney also has its own just animated movies. And the difference is, princess movies have music in them. The Disney animated movies don't have music in them. They're just mm-hmm. a story. Sort of, yeah. Well, I mean, like, generally no, speaking, I'll agree with that. There's no, <laughs> like, I think of Zootopia as an anime. There's no sing-along. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not a musical, no. Yeah, same with Big Hero 6. Yeah. There wasn't a musical in it. Yeah. But, like, I think yeah. Moana and Frozen, there are very distinct songs that you remember because they're very catchy and you can oh yeah you can sing them because there's they're there uh and i guess now they have their live action stuff too so yeah i don't know they for what they are like a lot of people hate hate them for being a big corporation but like they still they make good stuff so yeah well i mean they've They've gone through their ups and downs. I mean, part of the reason on why the Pixar acquisition was necessary for them for such a long period of time uh, was because they didn't know how to go and make films for the modern market. And they were trying to go and do the stuff that... I, I hate to go and do this because they have produced some good films as well, but they've also produced some schlock as well. But the stuff that like DreamWorks is going and producing in the early 2000s, they were trying to go and capture a lot of that really loud in your face style of animation and it, it didn't work. That's how you ended up with Home on the Range and God, I'm trying to remember there was another one they came out with that like nobody saw. And Disney at one time, not too many years ago, was looking like it was gonna go out of business because they couldn't make films that were matching up with anything. Mm. Wait, they... Home on the Range? Yes. Well Disney had a whole lot of straight to D V D stuff. Like there, they had the yeah. That was what you you you. I think you already referred to as like a dark day for Disney. Dark. Yeah, the 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 second Disney Dark Age. Yeah, yeah. where it was just solid straight to DVD movies that were all. But it, it's such a oh weird. that thing okay that movie yeah yeah you, you now you know now you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of a weird thing because, and I'll go and say, I think part of the problem that Disney suffers with right now is still people remembering the Michael Eisner years, because the guy did the guy did legitimately save the company, but it cost or he costed its soul as well. You know, a lot of the you know, oh, it's a soulless corporation argument came from them going and releasing toys of all of these classic characters releasing movies from the vault and going and selling them on vhs which i actually think is a great thing because i like owning a piece of that history and all yeah but then we're going and talking about okay well that's when the park started to shift over to being more uh intellectual property based versus the original walt disney concept it's when you started seeing the disney store stuff popping up that's when they started going doing direct to home uh 
product deliveries. There's a lot of stuff that really changed the nature of what Disney as a company was. And while it led to movies like The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, uh, you know, regarded as the Disney Renaissance, it also led to a whole lot of more corporate elements that just people weren't really into the same way as what they had before. Yeah. And then you, yeah. So it, I think part of it was that and the fact that Eisner in particular was so focused on the parks and less so on anything else that they were going and doing. Like his big thing was going and locking down their ownership of ABC, establishing ESPN and getting the parks, uh, more accessible to adults because you know his son told him that he thought the stuff was lame so he did a whole bunch of things including videopolis and uh uh alien terrestrial encounter uh i'm sure i've got the name on that wrong but the focus went from okay we need to produce a good movie with the little mermaid to okay we're gonna focus on everything else we're gonna focus on building up the disney stores and I think a lot of people are still holding Disney in that regard because they remember on what things were like under him. You know, there's even a Family Guy joke uh, where Michael Eisner is in Disney parks with uh, uh, Peter and Stewie and, you know, you, be all, or, uh, uh, you betrayed the shareholders. And it's like, that's, that's what a lot of people think of when it comes to Disney now. And you compare it to what the company has been like the last 10 years in particular, and it's very much changed. It's still a huge corporate entity that has their hands in everything, but you can tell there's definitely more interest in the craft, both inside of the films and animation. Uh, the buyout of Pixar, which was totally just as a means of going and keeping the film division alive at Disney, is now just part of the homogenous stream of good entertainment that, they are, that they're able to produce now. So, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Anytime I have a discussion with somebody about Disney and why they hate it and all that stuff, it's like, it always comes back to these little things with Michael Eisner. Yeah. It's like, it's it, a really it, weird thing. Well, it's, it's <laughs> a turning point. It's like, uh, you can kind of point at that, but like, he, yeah, it's still, it's still a business. Like there's oh a, yeah like, exactly like there's no taking that part away from it yeah that's why a lot of people are like thinking you got to do it for the art and like but a business but, is still a business you gotta you gotta treat it like a business first if you want it to be successful that's why well and, it's like uh and that's like, go go on go on yeah well it, it's like you know that argument exactly I totally agree with it because during the Eisner years after like Aladdin came out. Yeah, the art went away. It was about going and hitting metrics. It was about checking off all of these little things. And yeah, there was no more interest. Like I said, the company lost its soul uh, during that period of time. But what's happened in the last 10 years, they're putting more control back in the hands of the directors, in the hands of the artists. There's things that never would have happened 20 years ago that are going on inside of the company for the sake of art. There's actually emphasis on that again. Well, yeah, because they now have the power to do that. They have a ridiculous amount of power over a lot of things, and like it. But they would the way the way it took to get there. Basically, it's like a, a means to an end. Is you have to they have you have to kind of sacrifice some things to get somewhere sometimes, and then once you do get to a level that you can be more expressive and free, sure, but. 
sometimes you do have to make sacrifices of such things to keep going or else you oh, can I mean, just fizzle out. Like, that's that's the devil's advocate, I'm, I'm going to say, for that, for a corporation being yeah. a corporation, because it's still... Bottom line, it needs to make money. That's how a corporation, as a, as a living entity, a corporation needs money to live, or else it'll die. The same way a human dies from not having food or oxygen. It just... Oh, yeah. So, well, and Disney, Disney almost found themselves there not too long ago. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, it's really only, yeah, it's only really been because of the success of Tangled and them going back to their old philosophies when it came to filmmaking and production that we're actually going and seeing them being a company. Because for a while there, it looked like DreamWorks might buy them. Oh yeah, like what? What a weird thing to think about that Disney, this big company, could be owned by you know a affiliate of NBC Universal. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh... it's such a weird thing to think about. But it it, it wasn't too long ago that we were having that discussion because it looked like Disney was going out of business. Is oh, but then yeah, they made a big three sixty when they yeah yeah they changed they changed what they did. But like yeah, their parks were doing good. Their I feel like they must have been making stuff from their straight... Because, like, there was the straight-to-DVD kind of movie area, and then there was, like, the whole Disney Channel area era. And I feel like the Disney Channel era definitely probably boosted profits somehow. Uh, I'll go and say, the Disney Channel side of things, the Disney Channel has never posted a negative return. Yeah. Yeah, there have been some shows that didn't work, but Disney Channel itself has always been solvent. Yeah, and, like... That's when I think of like the eras of like you had the the eighties and nineties movies and then you had a lot of direct to D V D stuff and then then they went right into kind of T V and I'm trying to think of any movies that really came out around there, but I can't really think of anything. Uh but then I guess Tangles is when is a I guess Tangle would be a good turning point is like when the movies all of a sudden shifted again to back to be being princess movies, but still with a new look on stuff like a modern yeah. Look. yeah yeah no there's definitely a big shift because you were not going to go and get back you know the princess and the frog was an attempt to go back to oh, 2d yeah. animation yeah. but that was, that was the ultimate ex- yeah but that was the ultimate example of compromise in terms of quality and design because of that one, it was all about, oh, we need to go and hit all these metrics. You know, we're getting hounded for not going and having more ethnicity in our projects. It's like, that's there's nothing wrong with that. But it needs to come from an earnest place. It needs to actually have some creative points coming along with it. Otherwise, it's just, oh, why are we going and doing this? Oh, we're just doing this because it's a mandate now. Mm. You know, got to make certain individual groups happy. And it's like... No, make make a good movie first, guys. I want a I want a black Disney princess that's interesting and good because they made a character that was interesting and good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what we're looking for. <laughs> Give me that first, hmm. and then we got it. Wow, we're good. Wow. And they just didn't. They just weren't quite able to get it right. They got the character right. They just didn't get the story around her right. Ah, uh, I see what you mean. I agree. <laughs> yeah, and then you had Tangled, and it's like okay, last ditch effort. We're putting all of our money into this. We're going to try another attempt at 3D CGI. Because they've tried this a couple of times beforehand and just had never really managed to go and break the box office with it. But, yeah, then they got it. 
they just went and kind of put it in the hands of this last little group of animators and it worked yeah and then yeah that's a big no, those are the kind of turns when they're just back to being and then then they came out with like frozen and now they got uh yeah they uh, moana those are the, those are the princess ones now with moana being the newest one and but they had i guess they also came with big hero six and zootopia and started and wreck it ralph and yeah ralph oh that was a good one. And those are yeah the 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 year the year that Pixar made a princess movie and Disney went and made a Pixar movie. Yeah, <laughs> and nobody could remember on which one is which. That's right. That's right. Because uh, because uh, Brave is Pixar. Yeah, exactly. God, it's weird. Yeah. Well, well, on that note. Uh, yeah, I, we we have talked about a, yeah we've talked about a lot of movies, haven't we? Yeah, it was a nice movie <laughs> podcast. It's always good to talk about mm-hmm. movies. I like movies. Yeah, the, the entire th- we went all over the place too, and some of, somehow we started at a horror film and ended up at cheery animation. Yeah. Well, was, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, well, uh, thank you all for uh, listening to us, uh, listening to us in this uh, zero verse that we are in now. Uh, so. On that note, I'd like to say, hey, check us out on... Uh, we're on iTunes now. Uh, if you're listening to us, I assume because you're listening to us on iTunes, so I'd say, hey, give us a review. Give us some stars if you like it because um, that always helps us if you want us to kind of grow a little bit and have more people listen to us, and then you can tell your friends about it, and then you can talk about what we talked about, about movies, I guess, all today. Um, also, hit us up on our Twitter at twitter at soccer rangers uh or our email which is soccer rangers podcast at gmail.com or check out our facebook page on soccer rangers podcast so um yeah i think that's uh that's all good what else are we on? we're on soundcloud we're on itunes is that all we're on or over oh, on google yeah. play aren't we yes google play yeah so many many ways to figure uh we're listening to us talk about movies and i guess that's all we talked about today is movies a movie filled podcast um Go watch Excalibur, go watch Casablanca, go watch Lord of the Rings, go watch uh, Happy Death Day. Go watch them all. Go watch your favorite movie. Go watch your favorite movie. Tell us what your favorite movie is. No, no, try something different. (laughs) That's true. Yes, tell us your favorite movie. Yeah, but watch something different. Open your horizons. Watch Baby Driver, now available on Blu-ray and on demand. Still haven't seen it. That's one I gotta talk about. Fuck you! Yeah. (laughs) I could go on for a while about that one. But that's actually, but that's one I actually do want to go see, though. So, well, we we got to talk about that another time because I could talk quite a bit about that one. And it's oh set, god, we could set a, a yeah. style of movie. That's a different style of movie. We talked about the hero underdog protect underdog thing, where now we have Baby Driver, which I like to call the fiasco type of movie. But mm-hmm. we'll not continue anymore on that. So nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Edit, edit. Yes. So yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to us. And take care, everyone.